0: Welcome to The Lead, a podcast about how to get ahead in the news industry from the people who did. I'm Kira Posey. On today's episode of The Lead, I speak with Tyler Estep, a reporter with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Tyler covers DeKalb County, its government, and its people, and he has been with the AJC since 2015. Before his current assignment, Tyler covered Gwinnett County and worked with the paper's hyperlocal and breaking news teams. Before coming to the AJC, he worked with the Gwinnett Daily Post. Tyler is a graduate from the University of Georgia, where he studied journalism. In this episode, Tyler and I discuss forming connections in the communities you're covering, his approach to covering a Georgia County's emergency eviction ban, and his advice for aspiring journalism professionals. And a quick editor's note before we get started, in this episode, we discussed DeKalb County's emergency eviction ban, which expired on September 30th. We recorded this episode when the ban was still in place. So we touch on some hypotheticals about whether the county would renew the ban, which it did not. Before we get on to our conversation, here's a word from our sponsor. This episode is produced by the Cox Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership at the University of Georgia's Grady College. To learn more, go to grady.uga.edu slash Cox Institute. Now, here's the lead. Hi Tyler, thank you so much for coming on the lead today. I'm so excited to chat with you and get some of your insights. How are you doing?
1: Absolutely, I'm doing great. It's, uh, this, the sun has come out and uh, <laughs> we're, we're uh, approaching fall, I guess, so we're, we're good.
0: Yes, definitely. Definitely. So I am so excited to dive into your background, dive into your work. So I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into the first question. You work right now for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution covering DeKalb County. So how did you come into your current role and you know what led up to this and what brought you here?
1: So I, I went to, to UGA, graduated from Grady in uh, 2000 December of 2009, which was... <laughs> Was not a good time in the economy in general, and also was kind of uh, when <laughs> when the uh, the big shoes I guess were dropping in the newspaper industry in general. So uh, it was a bit of an adventure to find a job. Um, I uh, I'd actually covered uh, sports at, at at the Red and Black when I was in, in school, so I I'd, I'd wanted to be a sports writer. Um, uh, you know spent I think three or four months looking for jobs you know freelance a little bit for the the Banner Herald there in Athens and some other places but just couldn't find a sports job ended up uh taking a job covering uh uh night cops uh like police crime and and stuff at the Gwinnett Daily Post um which is I, I'm from Lawrenceville originally so uh they, they took a chance on me even though I had never uh, written any quote-unquote hard news in, in my life other than, you know, maybe a football player getting arrested or something like that at the Red and Black. But, um, so anyway, I spent four or five years at the Gwinnett Daily Post. I then eventually got to the AJC covering breaking news for them. I was on the, I did that for about a year, was on the uh, hyper-local team um, at the AJC, which was just kind of a, is just kind of a, um, a, you know, more focused on on hyper-local news, as you can guess, like city, even like down to s- small cities and that kind of stuff uh, in Metro Atlanta. And then joined the local government team in uh, f- uh, f- four or five years ago, um, Covered Gwinnett for them for about three years. And then uh, in uh, January of 2020, moved over to uh to, to, Cab to cover governments here. So it's been uh, an interesting road.
0: So I'm wondering, when you are assigned to cover counties like this and focus specifically on those counties, how do you maintain your source network so that you are connected to that community?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's... Um, you know, it's funny, d the cab has actually been a bit of an adventure because like I mentioned, I took over in January of twenty twenty, which was about two months before the pandemic started. So I had um you know, I had I had you know, met the the main players or whatever you wanna call it, the, the, the county commissioners and, and folks like that, but I hadn't made a ton of of inroads by the time everything shut down, um, at least for for in person meetings and stuff like that. So it's it's been an adventure. It's been a lot of you know joining you know random neighborhood Facebook groups and and uh, next door and and stuff like that. Um, you know you try to there's all these there's always community meetings and and stuff like that where you can. You can meet even if you're not going to, you know, write necessarily something from the meeting or, or even if there's not like a particular topic that you're super interested in. It, it, you can, uh, you know, drop by or well nowadays drop drop by in Zoom or whatever and, and reach out and uh, touch base with people. And uh, just try to talk to as many people as you can, even if there's no immediate reason to do so, if that makes any sense, um, just to kind of, it's, it, it makes it easier if you do need those people for a particular reason later on.
0: I also wanted to ask you about a, an issue right now that's affecting many DeKalb families, that being the eviction moratoriums in the county. Um, right. so yeah. yeah, which is super interesting because it's pretty specific, like DeKalb specific. So You know, in late August, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down the federal eviction moratorium, but DeKalb's eviction moratorium is still in place until September 30th. Mm -hmm. So I want to know, just when you read the decision from the U.S. Supreme Court, what was going through your mind and did it make you want to cover the issue differently at all?
1: When I saw the news of the Supreme Court thing, I was immediately, was like, oh, wow. Um, uh, I guess I should figure out if uh, Cabs is still still in effect because, you know, there's... uh, 780,000 people in DeKalb, or I forget the exact number, but, um, and, uh, several thousand, um, evictions that were already pending were already in some stage of, um, the process in DeKalb because, you know, the moratorium just prevented the, the literal eviction. People could still file stuff and, and that kind of thing. Um. So I saw that that ruling the next uh, or that night, and then uh, well, that's that's going to be my 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 day the, the next because it's a good um, you know anytime you can I guess this is a little different, but anytime you can localize a, a you know a big national story, it's uh, it's it's generally a good thing to do, and and in addition to just needing to answer the question, like are these. I forget the exact number, but five or six or ten thousand people in decab still protected from being evicted, and uh, it turns out the answer was was yes.
0: Decab is also responsible for distributing um, twenty one million dollars, I think, in funds.
1: Yeah, some it's it's a little. There's a couple different programs, but yeah, twenty one million dollars was the original um, the amount that they originally allocated for the rental uh, federal. Rental assistance uh, uh, funds that that also hopefully will prevent uh, evictions,
0: yeah. They're responsible for distributing those funds, which will hopefully prevent evictions. But the deadline is set to expire on September thirtieth, and not not all right. that money has been yeah. distributed. So like with these two combating elements, I'm wondering what has been your strategy in covering both of them and what will be your strategy going forward?
1: It's a lot. Um, <laughs> there's obviously, um, there. Uh, there's the government's accountability aspect to it, obviously in terms of the, they picked up the pace now, but you know, uh, at least originally, like why is it taking so long to get this money out? We, you know, you have all this money to to help people but it's just sitting there um and then and to be fair that's the case in pretty much every county in the united states it's just taken a long time to get the money out so there's obviously the government accountability angle which is super important but you have to look at the the, the personal the personal angle too these aren't just you know numbers on a, on a page. They're, they're real people that are are in danger of, of losing their, their homes winding up on the streets. And, you know, if you get a, once you have an eviction on your record, it's, it's, uh, you know, a hundred times harder to, to find another apartment or another house to rent. So it's, it's kind of a balancing act of doing that government accountability piece, but not losing sight of, you know, how, how it's affecting, affecting real people and, and you know it's hard it's been hard for for me and other colleagues to 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 find people that are willing to tell cuz these are very personal stories and and it, it's hard to capture that. A lot of people aren't necessarily super excited to to share their stories in a, you know, a paper that thousands of people are going to read and and so, you have to be sensitive to that obviously, and but at the same it's it's like anything else it's just the balancing act between you have you want and have to tell that story, but at the same time it's 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 just hard to you have to understand that folks, in addition to not just wanting to tell their story they're worried about a whole lot of other things besides your deadline or your <laughs> your story or or whatever it may be, so yeah, I guess it's just kind of a It's a, it's a balancing act, I guess.
0: Your last point about, you know, adding, keeping the human story and approaching these sources and talking to them potentially about, you know, interviewing if they are even interested at all, which, you know, they have a lot of other things on their plate. I'm wondering, like, how how do you approach these sources and how, you know, do you ensure that you're maintaining sensitivity when talking about this and finding that human angle?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think. Well, first of all, I think it helps to, and it kind of goes back to I think your first question about you know maintaining this uh, more a wider source network. It, it, it helps to have relationships with the kind of um, you know the nonprofits or just the the housing advocates and stuff because a lot of times they they those are the trusted people in the community that, and they can. Uh, you know, find people that that, that are willing to, to tell their story and, and assure them that it'll be handled with sensitivity. I mean I think it's just you have to I don't know, you have to you have to talk to people differently than you would talk to, you know, some county commissioner that you're trying to hold accountable for some, you know, vote on some <laughs> some issue. It's it's just a different tone and, and I think you have to remember that you're a, a human too. Does that make sense? You have to uh, talk to these uh, people like, like, like you're a human and, and they're a human obviously. And I don't, I don't know if that makes any sense, but, but just, yeah. Cause I don't know. I think we journalists oftentimes, uh, try to separate themselves or, uh, I don't know, put up a wall, I guess. And some of it's just to, you know, protect yourself because you're writing about some heavy stuff sometimes. But but, at some point you have to maintain that human connection, if that makes any sense.
0: I'm wondering, what have you learned, if anything, from covering issues like the eviction moratorium updates in DeKalb?
1: It's always a stark reminder of, you know, how much people are struggling and how, how real the consequences are for, for stuff that we write about. Um, if that makes any sense. Um, cause you know, like I was talking about earlier, sometimes you just get in the, you get in the mode of kind of detaching a little bit from, you know, the actual ramifications of what you're, you're writing about. Um, so I think if anything, it's just kind of. Like like COVID in general, everything that you know we write and, and deal with with COVID has all been kind of a, a wake up call. Um, and I'm not in threat of eviction or anything, but but like COVID, we're we're living through COVID too. We're living through the the effects of, of COVID too, and trying to 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 write about it and, and deliver deliver the message, I guess. But um, I. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing I've learned, I guess.
0: I want to shift back over just to, you know, thinking back again about your assignment of covering DeKalb and what you've done with work in, in the work that you've done with covering counties before. So why do you think it's important for, you know, larger organizations like the Atlanta General Constitution to cover DeKalb counties and other counties throughout the state?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of a lot of the focus, obviously, in 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 you know media writ large or whatever is 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 uh you know presidential elections congressional elections blah 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 but but local government and local you know you know the county commissioners city council or whatever those are the people that have the honestly have the most direct impact on your life they're the ones that you know decide if, if, if the potholes to get fixed down the road or if you're you have water service or if you know any any litany of things those are often the people that have the most direct impact on your life and if, if no one's holding them to account or even just you know publicizing what they're doing um, you know things can, things can go awry pretty quickly I guess so it's 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 important. I mean, it's tough these days. We don't, you know, before my time, you know, back in the the day, the day JC had a whole, you know, Gwinnett bureau that had I don't know, you know, ten fifteen reporters or whatever. And now it's one one government reporter, one school board reporter, and that's that's about it. So it's 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 definitely harder these days for doing a lot more with a lot less, but, um, but it's, it's, it's still important.
0: A lot of our listenership are aspiring journalists and, and students. So I'm wondering, you know, in a role in in your role now, and just looking back on your career, if you have any advice for aspiring news professionals who are looking to break into the industry?
1: Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing is just to be be flexible, if that makes any sense. You know, I graduated wanting to, to be a sports writer and, and and all that stuff and ended up taking a job as a night cops reporter. And, and, and uh, um, you know, I've, I haven't looked back in 10, God, it's been 11, 12 years since I graduated now. Um, but, um, but even, you know, beyond, you know, that, just, like, once you get a job or an internship or whatever, be flexible in terms of, you know, if someone asks you to, you know, if they need an extra body to go cover a, you know, I'm thinking of last summer, a a protest or, you know, if, if just, you know, uh, be willing to try, try new things, uh, step out of your comfort zone a little bit. I think that's when you learn your, the most about yourself as a, as a reporter, and I guess not—not not to sound cheesy, but as a, as a as a person too, it's just you know, um, try different things, and you never know what you'll end up. You may think you want to be a sports writer, and you'll end up loving covering politics, or you know, features, or you know, music, whatever uh, it may be, um, and just take take advantage of the opportunities that are presented to you whether or not they're perfect I guess is, is you know obviously there's a fine line between you know uh, you know, I don't know what you want to call it being taken advantage of or, or anything like that but but I think just just flexibility and, and being able to do a lot of different things will, will will serve you well
0: and Tyler I think that is really really valuable advice that people you know at all stages of their career can take from so so thank you for that.
1: yeah absolutely absolutely.
0: Before, you know, we come to the end of our conversation, we've talked about a lot today from your advice to your journey and to some specific updates in DeKalb that you're covering. I was wondering if you had anything that you wanted to add that we didn't already touch on that you think is valuable for our listeners to know.
1: Just keep chugging along, keep learning, keep doing what, doing what you do. And, and, you know, I think things will, will work out. Compared to when I graduated, there's, you know, six billion more out, you know, there's, there's not as many jobs as the AJC, but there's six billion different outlets to, to find, find work and do what you want to do. And uh, just, just don't, don't get discouraged.
0: Thanks to Tyler Step for joining us on this episode. I'm your host, Kira Posey. Our producer is Dr. Keith Herndon, the executive director of the Cox Institute To keep up with The Lead and hear more from media leaders, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And be sure to follow us on Twitter. We're at The Lead Podcast. See you next time.